This is Dr. Marnie Peterson. I am the Outreach Coordinator for the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project, which was launched last year by the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Today I am speaking with two experts in the field of antimicrobial stewardship, Dr. Mordecai Gruper and Dr. David Nicolau, about their important and recently published work in Current Opinions in Infectious Diseases. Their manuscript describes the optimization of antimicrobial usage for the prevention and treatment of skin and soft tissue infections, specifically in obese patients. Before we begin our conversation, I'm going to provide a little bit of background uh, for each of our expert panelists. Dr. Gruper is a second-year research fellow, and he's trained as an infectious disease specialist from Israel. He's a research fellow at the Center for Anti-Infective Research and Development at Hartford Hospital. He's earned a medical degree, he's completed a residency in internal medicine, and also a fellowship in infectious diseases. He has served in various positions as a military physician, a senior infectious diseases clinician, foreign infectious diseases service, and as a faculty member in the Technion Israel Institute of Technology Medical School. Dr. David Nicolau is a very well-known expert and is the director of the Center for Anti-Infective Research and Development at Hartford Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. He received his PharmD from the Medical University of South Carolina, where he completed a residency in adult internal medicine at the university's affiliated hospital and a fellowship in infectious diseases. His research involves a wide range of drug development studies to assess the in vitro potency, in vivo efficacy, and toxicity profiles of novel antimicrobial compounds. He's been a principal investigator for phase one through phase four clinical studies, as well as investigational new drug applications. And he is widely recognized for his focus on developing antimicrobial use strategies to improve outcomes and reduce the cost of patient cares. So with that background, I would like to welcome both of our experts, Dr. Gruper and Dr. David Nicolau. Welcome. Thank you. So thank you for joining me today. Uh, so Dr. Gruper, I would like to start with you uh, to give us a little bit of background for the reason you d decided to author this manuscript, which highlights the prevalence of skin and soft tissue infections, specifically in the obese population, uh, and talk a little bit about why there is this association. Yes, first of all, good morning. Uh, so to begin with, uh, I think we are all aware that obesity is uh, endemic worldwide and only increasing the numbers. And as such, very simply, a high proportion of patients with skin and soft tissue infection are and will be obese. So that's from a very simple point of view. Uh, now specifically, from pathophysiological point of view, we know that obesity involves changes in the skin barrier function, disrupt the micro and macro vascular circulation, correlates with decreased ability of wound healing, and involves a higher proportion of lymphatic drainage problems. There are several studies out there that have shown that uh, obesity is a risk factor for acquiring cellulitis, uh, recurrent events of skin and soft tissue infection, and also that obesity is very common in patients with uh, erysipelas. Uh, in addition, uh, morbid obesity has been shown to be an independent risk factor for treatment failure in hospitalized patients with uh, cellulitis. Uh, specifically regarding uh, MRSA, which is also uh, takes a big part of our manuscript, 
the recovery of this specific bacteria from cellulitis was shown to be significantly uh, associated with the obesity. And I want to point out that interest, interestingly, obesity was correlated with higher rates of staphylococcus nasal uh, carriage. So I think all of this background can lead us to the conclusion that this specific population needs to be addressed uh, in a specific way. And unfortunately, there is an, a very lack of uh, data uh, regarding the specific uh, dosing needed for uh, skin and soft tissue infections in this specific obese uh, population. And I, I fully agree with uh, Moti. I think uh, the other aspect here is that these patients have multiple comorbid conditions, things that we are concerned about, like diabetes. Moti mentioned the, the microvascular or macrovascular uh, changes. But these other comorbid conditions, hypertension, diabetes, all contribute potentially to, uh, to altered disposition of, of drug in these patients at the site of infection, which clearly complicates the, uh, the management of, uh, of infection in this population. So, Dr. Nicklaw, can you expand a little bit? This is obviously a challenge for many clinicians as to what is what body weight metric are, are they supposed to use when they are trying to address appropriate dosing of the antibiotics and then further monitoring. Um, and, and the challenge is that the body mass index, the BMI, which is recognized as, as the measurement for obesity internationally, is not necessarily the accurate measurement pharmacologic surrogate for body weight. Yeah, that, that's absolutely correct. I think we're all challenged by managing these patients. You know, obesity in the literal sense comes in, in, in multiple sizes. And, and there are multiple degrees of obesity. We've, we've already referred to the body mass index. And while that is clearly internationally recognized as a, as a marker of obesity, um, you are absolutely correct that, uh, that that marker in and of itself is, is, not, is not very useful from a pharmacologic perspective. You can imagine that a, a very tall person with a BMI of, of 30, you know, might have a total body weight that could be three or four or 500 pounds. You may have a, a, a smaller person that has a higher BMI, but their total body mass, you know, their, their total body weight could be, could be considerably less. What we are, I think we're learning from, from colleagues like Amit Pai and a friend in, in, in Italy, uh, uh, Federico P, is that from a pharmacologic perspective, you know, we have to first understand that these drugs, when we use these medicines, they, they're either going to be lipophilic, which are, are going to, uh, to, uh, to, to be more based on, on total, total body mass, or they're going to be more water-based. And we're talking about cephalosporins and things like vancomycin and aminoglycosides. And that's going to be closer to, a, to, a, to a, a, you know, a, a, an adjusted body weight. Um, but it's, it's quite challenging to, uh, to, to define exactly uh, what the, the volume of drug disposition will be in patients with obesity. 
And, and that's one of the major challenges is that we are very likely underdosing these patients uh, when we talk about, um, you know, how much drug gets to the site of infection. So clearly more needs to be done to, uh, to understand these challenges. The, the other aspect, I think, above and beyond body weight, and we highlight this in the paper, is that these patients certainly can have improvements or, or, or have a higher renal clearance of medicines than might be normally anticipated. And we know that many of the medicines we use, right, the cephalosporins, uh, notably penicillins, these are oftentimes excreted renally. And so if you have a patient who's very large, we haven't optimized the dose perhaps because it's challenging for the reasons mentioned, and they're actually eliminating the drug more quickly. One could see how uh, how those patients would be at risk for, for poor outcomes due to potentially lower uh, drug exposures. So lots going on, uh, and perhaps one of the things we can do in these patients, at least when using medicines that are renally excreted, is to get a better understanding of what their renal clearance is. And we don't do a lot of that in patients who who aren't in the ICU, who aren't uh, you know necessarily uh, catheterized, but it may be something to consider to have a, a better definition of of their renal elimination. Yes, and. I think that you, you've absolutely mentioned some of the key challenges and the key pharmacokinetic and pharmacodynamic characteristics that are important for antimicrobials, especially as you're attempting to dose them appropriately in the obese populations. One of the um, what, one of the pharmacodynamic um, metrics that you mentioned was getting the drug to the site of infection, and. Is there? Do you feel that there's still research or, or an understanding that we need to get from that to make sure, with, especially with skin and soft tissue infections, is the drug actually getting to its target site? And if not, you're underdosing and potentially provoking resistance. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to do uh, to, to better understand that. Um, we and, uh, and others have have taken a, a posture where, in an attempt to understand. Uh, drug concentrations at the site, specifically in patients with with lower limb infections, uh, podiatric medicine patients who are at risk for failure for a variety of uh, of reasons with with infection. Uh, we have been doing studies where we will implant a uh, a microdialysis catheter uh, at the margin of the wound, and what this catheter will allow us to do is it allows us to sample the interstitial or extracellular space. And that would be the space that organisms, as we were discussing today, staph, including MRSA and streptococci and other gram-negatives, pseudomonas and E. coli, will reside in that interstitial extracellular space. So we're, we're doing these kinds of studies in, in, in healthy patients who, who are obese, uh, but we're also doing these studies uh, routinely at my hospital or patients who are admitted to our, uh, our medical or surgical services, uh, and we're, we're, we're using this as an indicator for how well the drug gets to the site of infection. The, the challenge, I think, uh, for, for this technique is it's not something that can be done in real time. You can't have a patient admitted. You can't put the microdialysis catheter in and then, and then have the concentration data available 
to make adjustments in dose. So we're doing this in the population to understand our conventional doses appropriate, and that will be part of our advocacy if they're not for alterations in doses for patients with, uh, with obesity and these skin and skin structure infections. There's a lot of work to be done, and unfortunately, this is a, uh, an increasingly prevalent, as Moti said, uh, a population of patients at our hospital. Absolutely. Those, those studies are, are very important and need to, need to be done such that we know we can basically get some dosing recommendations or perhaps guidelines around uh, the antimicrobials in that patient population. Dr. Gruber, I'd like to, to, to take the next step is to see, have a conversation around for the clinicians. What, what approach are, should they take? In today, as we're waiting for some of that research to be completed and some of those studies to be published, what's the what's the plan of action that a clinician should take today when they're presented with an obese patient, skin and soft tissue infection, and they need to dose their vancomycin or their cefazolin or their cefalosporin? What's your approach that you normally take? So I would say that to begin with, and maybe the most important step is that clinicians taking care of such patients would acknowledge at all that such, that a difference from the common population they treat may exist in this uh, population. And reviews like ours and other general uh, literature highlights this thing, and hopefully they will, they will be aware of uh, it. Uh, even a further step is to understand that even within that population uh, of obese patients, there is also some uh, variability. Most of it is challenging to quantify, and like our group and others are working toward these uh, uh, challenges. So, so that would be maybe the most important step. Uh, following, I think uh, antibiotic treatment should be commenced based on what we have now in hand, the best available evidence for for the time, including uh, guidelines uh, when available, uh, but also PKPD studies uh, done specifically in the obese population, clinical studies that have included at least in part of their patients uh, obese patients, and we have results that may or may not differ from the other uh, population. Following that uh, treatment commencement, uh, a careful follow-up on the situation, the clinical situation of the patient uh, should be done, even, I would say, more carefully than in other patients facing that we don't uh, know fully uh, what is the expected effect of what, uh, of what we administer, and we would really like to ascertain that the treatment we give achieves its goals on one hand, and on the other hand, that it is devoid of toxicity, which is the other part of it when we might be overdosing due to drugs, for example, that are dosed by weight, and we don't know exactly what we get in the specific patient out of this. Uh, of course, when we can use, we, we need to use therapeutic drug monitoring, has such for vancomycin, aminoglycosides, uh, hopefully 
in the near future we'll have more. This can be a very valuable uh, tool to use. Uh, and generally and finally, uh, we suggest that more focused research efforts regarding the specific dosing requirements of this uh, of this population, uh, it is still in great in great need. It will shed light and help clinicians uh, make the correct uh, decisions. And I would also argue that even a single patient experience uh, an obese or morbid obese uh, patient, this uh, may contribute to uh, to the literature regarding this, may enlighten uh, this uh, area. Yeah, I think Moti has already highlighted the, the challenges with, with dosing. And if we have drugs that are, are therapeutically monitored, like the aminoglycosides in Vanco, yeah, we can monitor the the um, you know the levels in, in in plasma or serum, but but that may not be depictive of uh, of what happens at the site of infection. And we've already made some of those observations uh, with vancomycin using the microdialysis in patients who are diabetic with with lower limb infections. So it's challenging. I think that many of the antibiotics we use, at least in skin and skin structure, you know, are, are relatively safe antibiotics. The, the cephalosporins, the penicillins, the, you know, maybe daptomycin in there, relatively safe. And we know that many of those agents can be given over a wide range of doses and, and oftentimes uh, not necessarily knowing how best to optimize. Uh, we certainly advocate for higher tolerable doses in these patients, um, considering the fact that they might have increased clearance and their total body weight uh, you know, might minimize their pharmacodynamic uh, exposure. But, but oftentimes, um, it, is a, it is a clinical feel, and it is uh, perhaps too much of an art form and how we dose these patients, uh, uh, we need certainly more more data. And uh, again, just to, to highlight the the challenges, you know, when we talk about obesity, you know, and we're talking about the implications of total body weight, you know, are those patients that are 250 to 350 pounds, or are we talking about patients that are 400, 500, 600 pounds? As you go up in total body weight, the available data in the literature you know, become increasingly sparse. So I, I think what Modi said to highlight that is is really important, and that is is that, you know, any data we can gather to give us more description of, of how these drugs behave in these patients with increased body weight would be incredibly useful. And we shouldn't discount the value of having some observations in cases because um, oftentimes we have very little to make uh, our empiric decisions on. Yeah, and that actually gets at my one of my final questions is about when the new investigational drugs are being uh, researched in the, in their phase three clinical phase two phase three clinical trials for drug approval. Uh, studies in obese patients aren't mandated at this point, and so sometimes you don't have that available studies available to you, so these studies are happening post-drug approval. Uh, so I was just wondering, Dr. Nicolau, from your perspective, do you think in the future that we should have a subset of patients that should be studied during the drug approval process for the new, the new agents? 
I, I think that's a population that certainly needs to be accounted for. Uh, there has been strong advocacy in the context of, of novel drug development for generating pediatric-related data now as part of the, the, the agency mandate. And if you look at the importance of the pediatric data, you look at the increasing prevalence of these patients with with, with morbid o obesity and, 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 and high total body weights? I think the answer is absolutely yes. The, the challenge is how do you do it? You know, the, the, the doses are, are created based on pharmacodynamic profiling. You know, the, the initial pharmacokinetic studies, the single and multiple ascending dose studies from a, a safety and a pharmacokinetic perspective are generally done in, in non-obese, healthy, healthy subjects. So, so you can understand the challenges of just enrolling these patients uh, and putting them in a clinical trial without uh, necessarily having a good sense about how to dose them. And nobody wants to put these patients at risk uh, for failure in the context of a clinical trial. I think the most obvious way to do it is to begin to mandate, you know, at least some PK studies in patients with various degrees of total body weight. Um, and, and these might be non-infected patients, or they might be infected patients, but we would give a secondary drug, like a novel drug, with a, a standard comparator so that we could understand the pharmacokinetics, but not necessarily put the patient at risk for failure if for some reason we underdose in this, uh, in this uh, you know, determination of, of PK. So uh, we're, we're hopeful. Um, that uh, that there will be additional very focused studies on uh, delineating exposure in this important and ever ever increasing uh, population of patients, not just you know within the U.S., but this is an increasing population of patients in hospital and you know uh, across the globe. Yeah, a, a world a worldwide dilemma and something that definitely the the clinical pharmacist is going to be dealing with on a regular basis. In the research process for the new anti-infectives, are there also uh, more efforts to characterize, as you are now doing in, the, in your clinical setting, the, the concentration of antibiotic at the site of infection? Is that becoming more of a pharmaco, pharmacokinetic and pharmacodynamic parameter that are, that's being monitored? Well, the, again, it's something that, that we do, and there are a few other groups across the world who, who do this. And, and as I alluded to, um, you know, this is something that, that is, uh, you know, it, it takes a, a bit of effort um, to put these catheters in, um, to sample these, these drugs and sample the catheters appropriately. It's, it's very expensive, so it's not something that you could do routinely. These catheters are, are uh, somewhere in the range of about $400 a piece. So it is right now currently used very limitedly uh, from an investigation of, 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 uh, of new compounds. We've done it with a variety of older compounds, uh, tigacycline and kepazolin and uh, vancomycin and daptomycin uh, as, a, as a means for, for understanding how best to dose those agents. But it is still really a, a research-only tool right now to, to give us a sense about how best to optimize it in the population at large. It isn't on a per-patient basis, which 
ultimately is what would need to be done, I think, in these very extreme uh, cases of uh, of altered, uh, you know, body mass. Absolutely, which ultimately will help help drive efficacy at the same time optimizing you know, low toxicity. Uh, so with that, I'd like to end the podcast and, and thank Dr. Gruber and Dr. Nicolau for your time today. And also our listeners, I would like to refer them to your, your manuscript. It's a review article that covers this topic in depth, highlighting the, the research and the literature, the body of literature that is available uh, within this field. And it seems as if more... Stay tuned as more information will be coming out from this from your group. So I, I want to thank you for your for your time today, and I think it's very important to continue to highlight this topic of appropriate antibiotic dosing in the obese population because it's absolutely an important component of antimicrobial stewardship. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you.